Two days ahead of Christmas, but the air is not too hot yet. Humid, with a light breeze keeping me cool as I walk road the entire day, 20 miles of it. The land is flat, and the walking is easy past humpy grassland and spiky flax. I can sense the horizon reaching toward the sea, though it's invisible in the salty haze. An occasional car passes me, but there's nothing to worry about now. Not like on the long highway bit after Wanganui, where double-carriage lorries passed within inches on the narrow shoulder. The traffic here is headed to the beach and the batches, or cottages in neat rows next to the dunes. Up ahead, a woman in a lapis blue sweatshirt tries to control a large greyhound. As I pass, she yells out, inviting me to her backyard for juice and a biscuit. Okay, let's be honest. Six biscuits. Jean is her name, 82 years old and no nonsense. After I finish the first glass of juice, she marches in for seconds, bringing with her a bigger glass. We sit on the edge of the dog kennel in the shade as she asks me what the heck I'm doing here. Walking the Te Araroa, the entire length of New Zealand, I tell her, and I'm soon reaching the halfway point of the 3,000-kilometer trail. She furrows her brow, commenting, That's a strange way to spend a holiday. (laughs) I've had enough to drink and eat and get ready to head on. Jean won't let me take her picture mainly because she can't be bothered to put in her false teeth. So I snap a photo of our feet, my La Sportivas with extra-long laces, next to her orange, ankle-high rubber boots, modified with a slice down the front to make them easy to slip on and off. I say goodbye, and she throws her arms around me for a big hug. In spite of my silly decision to walk nearly 2,000 miles on my holiday, She advises me, be safe, and enjoy every step. You're listening to The P-Rag, Unfiltered Adventures of the Blissful Hiker. I'm Allison Young, the Blissful Hiker, sometime professional flutist, sometime voice artist, and full-time pedestrian. Like that small backpacking essential of the same name, the P-Rag shares the unglamorous but vital truth about empowerment as badass people who really don't need permission to blaze our own trails in this journey we call life. Thanks so much to Lecky Trekking Poles for supporting the P-Rag podcast. If you want to be a blissful hiker, Lecky should be in your hands. Also, Belega, makers of the best blister-resist, non-slouching, foot-massaging socks for the long haul. Before I arrived at the beach in Cortiata, I had a half-day more of paddling the Wanganui River. It's kind of a strange quality of this through-hike that, for around a hundred miles, it's best traversed by canoe. I wake up on day five at Hipango Park, a former Maori pa or fortress, now a high grassy area with a cooking shelter and long drop, actually four long drops. It's only the two of us, Andrew and me, in our ultralight single-person tents, feeling no hurry to press on with only a short paddle to the town of Wanganui and the end of our adventure. 
A bird sings a five-note song, a kind of variation on Gershwin's first prelude. I answer with the second line, but I'm utterly ignored. The moon was bright as I slept on soft, grassy comfort. There was some weird creaking in the shelter overnight, but neither of us bothered to investigate. Rain seems to be a thing of the past for now. The dock, which is more like stadium seating, has stairs, so finally loading back into the canoe with all of our barrels is expected to be manageable. The question is if the high tide might fight us as we paddle into town. I count 400 steps as I carry down two barrels from the high water mark of the 1990 flood. Granted, these are mincing steps on the steep, muddy path, but that was some flood nonetheless. Okay. Straight paddling. We load the barrels and Andrew ties them down, and finally we push off for more big bends in the river. The tide seems to actually push us towards town, and the rapids are so yesterday. But the Chocolate River continues to entrance, bending around on itself. <laughs> we laugh spotting a magnificent house on a hill, only to wind around it for eight kilometers and then return to its backside. Soon, signs of the city creep onto the river. A busier road, children playing on a rope swing, a staging area for a future suspension bridge. And in no time, we arrive at the Holiday Park. There's a big welcome sign for Tiaroa trampers, and it marks 1,370 kilometers. Andrew and I unload for the last time. We divvy up the remaining food and then put our packs back on our backs. Yes, it doesn't feel very comfortable after five days of sitting. I wave goodbye and then head the four and a half miles towards the lovely town of Wanganui. A trail angel named George offers me a room tonight. He says he'll drive out and get me, but his home is only a few blocks from the trail. I cross the railroad bridge and then cross right back on another bridge, passing old houses decorated with Victorian gingerbread. From there, it's up a small rise to his street, and I look back towards the town and the river beyond. George waits for me at the driveway, balding with a neatly trimmed beard and mustache nearly white against his pinkish skin. He's dressed in shorts and a checkered shirt. As I come closer, obviously a walker with my pack and sticks, he smiles broadly and says, Welcome, Ellison. The white clappered house sits above the street, and we wind around to enter from the back, passing an outdoor living space of multicolored Adirondack chairs, numerous plants and sculptures, as well as a gurgling fountain. It immediately begins to rain, so we quickly enter, and George tells me his partner Rob would like to give me a fakatao, a Maori greeting much like the pofuri I experienced in Taekekainga on the river. I'm called into their living room and invited to sit. Rob is a few years younger than George. Gray-beard and bespectacled, he's Maori and welcomes me in the traditional manner with a mix of reverence and warmth, describing his land and a place that I've come to love, the mountains I've just walked on and the river I've just paddled. I'm so touched by this beautiful gift... I start to cry. Afterwards, we chuck my clothes in the laundry and find some new laces for my nearly worn-out Las Portivas. 
They give me a tour of the gardens and outdoor living spaces. As we head out onto the front porch, where a tray of nibbles and wine has been set out to share, I notice the flagpole is waving a flag, one with stars and stripes. At first, I'm confused. It's familiar, so I don't understand what it's doing here. We put that out for your arrival, Ellison. The American flag. It's up in my honor and a way to let the neighbors know who's in residence tonight. I share with these generous, loving men my hopes for the walk and also my fears. How I want to see if I can walk the length of a country and savor each piece with curiosity and inquisitiveness, admitting how difficult it is not to compare myself with others and to instead simply be satisfied with what I'm doing. They tell me they'll follow my steps and that I can call them any time. I believe them. George and Rob are more than trail angels. They're my guardian trail angels. You're listening to The P-Rag, Unfiltered Adventures of the Blissful Hiker. I share my stories of walking long-distance trails as a solo, middle-aged female hiker, and I hope I can empower you to learn to hike your own hike, too. If you're enjoying the storytelling, subscribe to The P-Rag wherever you get your podcasts. And if you listen on Apple, please leave a review. It helps others just like you find the podcast. Hey, Allison. Good day, Allison. Look, look where we're I awaken yes. to the sizzle and smell of bacon. <laughs> it's a full English breakfast, Kiwi style, with toast, eggs, tomatoes, and fresh fruit. We eat together and speak of past lives, with George having been the CEO of the New Zealand Kennel Club, owning a bar, and practicing law. Rob makes me laugh with an escapade of outrunning a possum that was trapped in their shed. Oh my God, we survived your visit. Then Rob heads to the hospital where he works, and George puts a backpack on, grabs a Gandalf stick, and joins me for the first part of the Te Araroa right through their charming little city on the river. It's the Saturday before Christmas, carols playing and all sorts of gifts on display. I absolutely hate to go, but it is a full day of walking on hot tarmac. George kisses my cheek and makes me promise to call any time. He then makes a promise to me that a lovely sunset awaits me when I revisit the Tasman Sea, the first time I've been there since 90 Mile Beach 50 days ago. The breeze is delicious, and I'm so grateful because what I'm coming up to is supposed to be the worst of the road walking on the entire Te Araroa. As I approach the final bridge that takes me across and away from the Wanganui, I think of Rob's words last night, that all things come from the mother. She's with us, whether the goddess, life force, or our moms. I do wonder what my mom would think, knowing I have over 10 miles of pavement in front of me on a very busy highway. At least the shoulder is wide, for now. The road curves up and down small hills, the wind fluttering grass in a field, green silver, green silver. I put sunscreen on my nose, but then find a shaded picnic area. I stop here to eat smoked oysters and mixed nuts right away spilling oil on my recently clean trousers. Looking down at my feet, I see my new laces are far too big 
and kind of look like clown shoes, but they do stay tight. I wouldn't go so far as to say I feel safe on this road as the verge narrows even more. No one slows down or heads into the other lane as they pass. They just power by. I place my stick out to indicate the smallest amount of personal space I'd like to occupy. Drivers seem oblivious to me, and it's soon that I learn the concept of share the road hasn't quite reached these islands yet. I just keep trudging along, grateful the day is not that hot, and the views, while not spectacular, do bring in focus an old wooden church resting on piers against a backdrop of humpy hills, a lot like the prairie in the U.S. Midwest. I'm grateful when I finally arrive at the turnoff, and the Turakina Antique Store, with windows filled with colored glass, invite me inside. There's a small cafe and seats in the shade. I order a Bundaberg bitter and am coaxed by the owner to try a kiwi treat, a lolly cake, sweet and sinful. Out here, the wind actually feels cool, as Aretha tells me, she feels like a natural woman. Now it's only a few miles to the beach and my reunion with the Tasman Sea, or more accurately, part of the Cook Strait that separates the North and South Islands of New Zealand. I'll actually be almost at the precise latitude as the northernmost bit of the South Island, if that makes sense, right in the crook of the North Island that at one time must have nestled into the South perfectly, kind of like a jigsaw puzzle piece. I pass fields of corn under a fluffy cloud-studded sky with a slight sugar buzz. It's that kind of day and easy walking that keeps me totally in the moment. The land gets flatter and the wind picks up as I get closer to the sea, though there's no sign as the road twists and curves and finally comes to Koitiata with a wild assortment of batches or beach homes cozying up to the dunes. I set the alley coop on cool grass next to a picnic table, then head past the dunes to black sand and a graveyard of driftwood. Like snow, the surface of the beach is crusty, and my feet sink in, soft and warm. The water turns golden in the evening light, and the salt pulls out the itch from all the sandfly bites as I wade in up to my waist, a little bit concerned about rip currents. Soon, I'm in a churning bathtub of purple, oversized cotton candy clouds tinged with pink and orange, just as George promised. There are a few other people on the beach, but no through-hikers. Right now, I'm in between everyone, and I'm loving it, savoring this place all to myself. Cheryl Strayed said, Alone had always felt like an actual place to me, as if it weren't a state of being, but rather a room where I could retreat to be who I really was. How true that is. Wanting that space to experience who I am, and especially to experience who I am here in this brand new place. And yet, I'm not entirely alone. There was Jean, seemingly waiting for me to come by so we could hang out for a few moments. And there were my trail guardian angels, Rob and George, helping me keep it real and assuring me as I keep walking, I have someone looking out for me. 
At 8.48, the sun sinks down, a last yellow point of light flickering below the horizon. First it's mauve, and then gunmetal gray. The sand is so soft and the water's warm, but now I begin to shiver in the wind and decide it's time to head back to the alley coop. As I turn, the full moon peeks through the bluish-pink clouds just for a moment as the sky continues to glow on and on, a long magenta swipe across the horizon. Christmas lights toggle on and off at the batches. The wind whispers a good night through the trees, and my heart soars, feeling back here at the Tasman Sea is like coming home. Thanks so much to Lecky Trekking Poles and Belega Socks for supporting the PRAG podcast. And thanks so much to you for listening. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you listen at Apple, go ahead and rate and review the podcast. You can find the music, show notes, more about my hikes all around the world, including photographs. It's at the website, theprag.com. You can also like and follow the PRAG on Facebook. Next week, it's Christmas, and I land in another unexpectedly wonderful moment sharing the holiday while still hiking with new friends. Until then, kia kaha and happy trails.